You know, um, we've been talking in these days about this on this theme when God doesn't make sense. And there are times God doesn't make sense, right? Seemingly. Um, those days come. You know, we've been explicitly exposed to two circumstances, David and Carrie's and Jake's. Um, and you know, when you're there, you go like, what's going on, God? God, what's going on? I don't know how many times you've been there or whether you're there right now. I'm pretty sure some of you are there right now. That's just the nature of life, isn't it? Um, but we've been looking at a passage in Scripture that says, hey, there is an incredible God who, yeah, in his sovereign will takes us through difficult times. You know, evil invades and harm comes and our hearts are broken. And yeah, sometimes we really don't get it. Uh, but we know there's a God who loves us. And we know there's a God who's powerful and we know there's a God who will take us through to better days. It's amazing. It's just amazing to really take hold of this reality and let it deeply impact our lives, especially when we're there. Um, we've been studying Exodus 14. The Israelites were in that place. <clears throat> Excuse me. They were uh, chased down by Pharaoh. They were terrified. They were in that vulnerable position. Um, And, and, and they were absolutely terrified. My question for us today is, how do you respond when those times come? I'll tell you a little bit about my, it's my, like my brain when it happens. It happened a little bit this week. A little problem arose. Not big, just a little. And it's like my brain gets scrambled. I start thinking, that's what it feels like inside. And I'm trying to make sense of things. I'm trying, what do I do? Where do I go? And the emotion rises up, you know? Ever feel that? Hands in the air if you do, yeah? I'm not absolutely nuts. At least we're all nuts. <laughs> Let's put it that way. But it's a panicky feeling and fear starts to settle in. <laughs> and the future, like you don't know what it's going to bring. And the best way I can say it, and I know it's quite colloquial, fancy word for what is to come, but we freak out. I freak out in my head. And I'm finding the more I learn about the things of God from passages like this, the shorter the freak-out periods are. <laughs> and I hope that's the case for you also. But you see, in this passage, as we have studied, um, while they're in that place, while it says they are terrified, strong word, while they're crying out to God, and it's not one of those times when the Lord says, cry out to me and I will come to you and I will answer your prayer. The cry is a cry of fear. And I get that too, because when I'm freaking out, that's like, oh God, I need you, I need you to do God coming to the. And no, it was no wonder that later on God said to Moses, Why are you, the nation, crying out to me? Right? But in, the, in this place, for these people, as they were freaking out in their fear, the word of God came to them through the, the leader that God had given to them. God spoke through Moses into the minds and into the hearts of his people. And I want us to look at these words today, and I want to figure out what might be. I'll tell you right now, what is here is bizarre to the human mind. Um, it is sometimes and often not something that's easily embraced or even accepted. So 
kind of be prepared for that. But the first phrase in uh, Exodus 14, verse 13, and we're just going to march through these two verses. They'll be our focus this morning. The first phrase from Moses' lips were, do not be afraid. You ever been really afraid about something and somebody comes along and tells you not to be afraid? <laughs> you know, for me, what really captures it is when I'm really worried and somebody comes along and says, oh, don't worry. And, you know, you feel like... <laughs> <laughs> because it can be so frustrating because in essence we don't know how not to worry in those moments right we don't know how not to be afraid it's really really hard to hear that and then do it but regardless of how ineffective this command of God and it is that might have been in their minds in those days this is exactly what God was telling them to do because he was communicating to his people his desire for them number one and number two he was communicating to them his possibility for them to, to, to literally not be afraid when those troubling and terrifying and awful moments come into our lives see here God is opening up a possibility to move them beyond their fear into something else Second thing Moses says is stand firm. Stand firm. Just, just hold your ground. Don't move. You know, some really, really common commands of God in the Bible, you know what they are that we can reflect on at least two of them today? Number one, don't be afraid. Do you know how many times in Scripture God says to his people, do not be afraid? I'd like to count it, but it's, it's got to be in the hundreds. You know what the second command? It's not as obvious, but it's stand firm. Stand. Hold your ground. You know, Ephesians chapter 6 talks about, you know, stand firm, and in the end, after the enemy has attacked, so that you might stand. That's what he wants for us. Number one, don't be afraid. There's the command. There's the possibility. Number two, he says, just, just stand. Don't back down. Don't wilt. Don't move. Just stand there. And then it says, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. Now, I want you to note this. The deliverance that God is describing, he is saying to his people first and foremost, and he wants them to hear it, and he wants them to understand it. This deliverance that's coming to you, it will not come from you. You're not the solution here. So don't assume that you are. <clears throat> but in fact, the deliverance that is going to come into your lives, Moses and God, through Moses, tells these people in their fear is the deliverance will come from God. <laughs> and you see, in, in this statement, God is beginning to shift the focus of his people from themselves to their God. He's beginning to shift their focus from their weakness to God's strength. Something, someone beyond yourself will solve your problem. Someone will deal with your, your dilemma, and it's not you. And then comes the promise, the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Put yourself in the position of these people, recently freed from slavery in Egypt under the power of Pharaoh, the abusive, violent, oppressive power of Pharaoh. And through Moses, God says, stand firm. I'm going to deliver you. And these people that you see approaching, after today, you'll never see them again. How many of you think that they actually believe that? We don't know that, but I want to tell you, my gut tells me, and if you think about it for a little while, yours will probably tell you the same thing, that it's highly unlikely that those people would have bought into that idea very quickly. But look, 600, and he's bought his, 600 of his best chariots, plus all the other ones that he has, 
and his army. Look, can't you see it? And somehow today they're going to just disappear so that we'll never have to face them again? See, the message is this that Moses is speaking, and it comes to us through the words of the Apostle Paul, which came so many hundreds of years later. As he, as he wrote in Ephesians chapter 3, he said, you cannot, you cannot ask or imagine what I'm going to do for you. You can't. It's not part of your capacity to ask, never mind imagine, what I'm about to do for you. See, our dynamic, when we face the problem, when we face the struggle, when we feel the fear and our minds freak out and we don't know where we're going, but we know we're under attack, if you would, is that it's likely that we can't see a way out. That's really common. You know, this one's too hard to be solved. (laughs) The message that Moses speaks is really simple. It's simply this. You don't have to. And don't even try. Let me move into a more specific rendering of these truths where Moses says this, the Lord will fight for you. I really like that. It doesn't say the Lord's going to come along and help you out. He's going to fight for you. If you have to roll up his sleeves and clench his fists and exercise his power in a battle, that's what he's going to do. And then Moses says, I want to say this is probably the hardest thing for us, them and us to get our heads around. You need only to be still. Now, think about this. <laughs> Just for a few minutes. Just think about it. The power of Pharaoh riding toward you, you. You are terrified. You think you're going to die. You're complaining to your leader, Moses. Why did he even bring us here? It was better to be in slavery in Egypt than to die in the desert. Like, And what God tells them through Moses, just be still. Yeah, somebody's shaking their head. Thank you. Oh, aren't they a godly couple? One's going like this and the other's going, yeah. Okay, you're the only people on the planet who get this from a human point of view. But, 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 he, but God, that's, that's it. You just have to be, you just have to be still. The New, New Living Translation says it really well. Be calm. You know, the message, paraphrase, it's a loose rendering, but it really captures very often the meaning of the text written by Eugene Peterson. He comes along and says, keep your mouths shut. Stop yapping. Just be quiet. Be quiet. And leave this to me, says God. Relax. And yeah, do nothing. Do nothing. To process that one for a little while. What would you do if Pharaoh was marching toward you with his 600 of his best chariots and all the rest of them in his army? I know me. I'd be running that way. Or I'd be jumping into that sea and I'd be swimming. I can swim. I'd be trying to hide. I'd be looking for a sword. And if I couldn't find a sword, I'd look for a stick. Or I, you know, at least let, let's set up some de- defensive barricades, something, anything. But nothing? Be still? Stand there? 
You see, that, that sounds like a crazy idea, doesn't it? See, fear, um, which nearly always is part of these moments of heartbreak and crisis and so forth that we encounter, fear causes us to do a couple of things. The first thing is that it causes us to not think clearly. Um, you see, we get captivated by the problem and we forget what is true. And the second thing that fear does is it causes us to try to take control of the circumstance to do whatever is necessary to avoid the danger which we feel. Somehow we have to mitigate this. We have to do something. <laughs> Another way you can put this, it's, 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 the, it's the reality of fight or flight. Run away or grab the sword. Do something. Moses' message is, you know, guys, uh, you don't have to worry about this, you know that? Um, not at all. Because God will do what needs done here today. All you have to do is to be still. Physically stand, emotionally rest in the knowledge that God loves you and that God is with you and that in the end... All we have to do, as they did, is decide what we believe. What I want to suggest, and I include myself on this, I already have for you, is that most people, what most people believe when trouble has come is they choose not to believe what Moses spoke to the Israelites if they even know that such thing is a possibility. You see, what we really believe is seen in our emotions. You know that? And our emotions are an expression of what we're thinking. What we're thinking, oh man, I'm dead. He's coming my way. And then fear rises up and I want to run away or fight. But you know the, you know the really crazy thing? I mean, I don't mean crazy as insane. I mean, I mean it's the thing that's nuts that we engage all the time, that we participate in, that we just live as a, as a natural expression of who we are as fallen human beings. Here's what's crazy is that we have this God who is with us and he is present to us in a powerful and incredibly real way by his spirit. And this God is a powerful God. And this God is totally able and ready to intercede on our behalf and to battle for us, to exercise every ounce of his strength on our behalf so that we don't need to. And the crazy thing is that even though that is the reality, we still feel a lot of fear. And we think we gotta do it. Now my friends, that's nuts. Right? That's, that's just crazy. It's not in touch with reality. If you're part of God's kingdom and if you're his child. See, two options here, and I've given you other options in other sermons. These are two different options. But the number, the first option is this, to know the, this truth so much to know these dynamic realities of God so much that in the midst of trouble we can be still we can be calm we can relax in the knowledge that God will act on our behalf or we can be afraid it's the opposite of fear in the kingdom of God you know a lot of people would say and I think this is how it would be spoken and perceived and thought of beyond the kingdom of God, that realm in which God is present and powerful and ruling and loving. I think a lot of people would say, well, the opposite of fear is courage. I can be afraid or I can be 
brave and I'm courageous and stand up to my fear. Think of people in the military in a battle. They have that choice to make. But you know, the opposite of fear in the kingdom of God is not courage, it is faith. If we have an absolute conviction that God is with me, and if we have an absolute conviction that God will act for me, there is no reason to fear. None. Zero. You know, last week, um, I was speaking to Ernie Purick. Is Ernie here? Not today. That's okay, because I didn't get to ask him ahead of time if I could use the illustration, so he's not surprised. I, I always try to do that. But Ernie just said to me after we were speaking about some of these things last week, he, he came to me and he said, uh, you know, Chris, years and years ago, and he told me this before, but I'm glad of the, the reminder. He said, years ago, I was working in a ministry in the United States, and I, I became ill, and I had a very virulent uh, pneumonia, and I was lying in bed, and I knew how sick I was. The doctors didn't know if I'd make it. I knew I could die, and I actually expected to. But in the midst of that experience, as I lay in that bed, I had an absolute peace because I knew God was with me. See, that's the possibility. I want to finish with this. Right now, I would imagine, as I've said, some of you are in these times. I know some of you are. Um, And others of you will enter into them. So if you're not there now, remember this because it's coming. It always is. Um, you know, when life threatens and danger seems imminent and powerful. You know, uh, disease threatens, marriages are in, in, in trouble and, and possibly moving toward a conclusion, a job loss, bankrupt, bankruptcies on the horizon, there's an illness, there's an emotional struggle that is just devastating, you know, whatever, whatever, right? Um, I, I want you... I want you to look at that reality. And as you look at that reality, you might be thinking, ah, I'm in danger, my life is threatened, just like the Israelites, because of the immensity of that thing, because of the power of that thing. We give it power. But I want to tell you this, in that circumstance with the Israelites, even though Pharaoh seemed incredibly powerful and threatening and it seemed like their lives were about to end, for God it wasn't a big problem let that settle in a little bit you know they thought this was an overwhelming power that they couldn't overcome but for God it wasn't a big deal and I'm saying this sort of casually to make the point to you because Pharaoh came along and God told him what to do and he kind of well I'm just going to part the waters and they're going to walk through in dry land and then Pharaoh's going to chase in and I'm going to cover them up and they're all going to drown and they'll never see their enemy again I want you to understand that wasn't hard for God to do. As a matter of fact, that was an incredibly easy thing for God to do. If you believe in the nature and the reality of God who is revealed in Scripture, it was nothing for Him. Um, As a matter of fact, what we've already studied and what I hope you know now is that while they were in their situation, even before they kind of move from terror and fear to to rest uh, and stillness, 
the reality of was because of where they were, because of what was happening to them as evil encroached in their lives and the world bore down upon them. What scripture promises us and shows us through this story is that they had this future before them was like remarkable. Like remarkable. And my question for you today is this. How, how do you handle these times when they come? Um, faith or fear? Freaking out or quiet rest and the presence and the capacity of your God to fight for you? I want to suggest a little phrase to you. And we're going to project it here. And it's, it's really, really simple because I want to suggest when you're in that time, you know, I want you to say this to God. God, I can't. You can. So I give it to you. Right? Simple. God, I can't. You admit your weakness. They were weak in the face of the advance of the power of Pharaoh. I can't do it. It's too much for me. But I know you can because you're God. Uh, so I want to give this to you. I'm just going to hand it over. I'm just going to leave it with you so that I can be still. Can you say that with me? God, I can't. You can. So I give it to you. Use that. Live it. Know the truth of the word of God. Know the reality of the God the God you believe in and the God that you, you love, the God who has promised to never leave you or forsake you, the God who has promised to fight for you when you consider yourself in danger, the God who has called you to be still the next time you fear what is headed your way. I just want to throw this in. As in other sermons, I want to reflect again on the reality of what we're experiencing here is a reflection uh, on the reality of Jesus. It, it, if you want to put it this way, it is part of the nature of the gospel. It's part of the reality of who we are in Christ. Because all of us are in pretty, uh, born into a pretty dire circumstance, right? What's more dire than the fact that we're uh, alienated from God and we're facing a Christless eternity in a place the Bible calls hell? We have, a, lot of, a lot more people ought to be afraid of that than are. <laughs> But if you believe the word of God and you allow it to be your authority in life, that's the circumstance which everyone is born into. But the bottom line is, we've got to come along to God and say, God, I can't do anything about that. I can't live a good enough life to please you. Never going to happen. I gotta, we have to come to that point of believing that. And then we say, God, you can forgive me and you can save me because Jesus died on the cross and he took my sin to himself and he suffered on the cross he took my hell upon himself that I am freed from that possibility and we have to say Lord God forgive me for my sin and come into my life and make me your own and you know what we do from that point forward or what we're supposed to do it's hard it's not human but we're supposed to then be still we're supposed to just get into that place in our heads and in our hearts where we just rest in the reality of what God has done for us in Jesus and we don't strive, and we don't try to prove ourselves to God and try to be good enough to please him. We just, wow, what a God we have. He has fought for me on the cross. 
and now I can rest in him. You get it? My friends, I want to tell you, <clears throat> that is the nature of the gospel. And when your big problem comes, if, you, if, if it's not there right now when it comes, I want, to, I want to tell you, you just need to rest in him. I'm going to read to you Romans 8, 31 to 39. We'll have one more text and we'll be finished. But listen to this. Paul writing, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, God for you in your mind? Like for you? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, get it, people. He gave his son to die on a cross for you. Why wouldn't he help you get a job? <laughs> he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with all things, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one, Christ Jesus, who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Jesus prays to God the Father on your behalf all the time. Right? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Can I say what, what can separate us from the love of Christ? What circumstance might you enter into where all of a sudden Jesus and his love isn't surrounding you and enabling you and empowering you? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or the danger or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We feel like that sometimes, don't we? <laughs> we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than, say it, conquerors. Pharaoh's coming, but guess who wins? We do. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, are you? I am convinced that neither death nor life, death nor life, neither angels nor demons, those evil beings which inflict our lives and cause pain and heartache and brokenness, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if that God loves you that much, he will not leave you alone in your moment of brokenness and in your moment of fear. He won't. My friends, I want to tell you here, there's an absolutely crazy thought God brings to people. And it's really simply this. And I, I, can I be Moses for a little while? You know, don't be afraid. Stand firm. God's going to deliver you. More than that, he's going to fight for you. All you need to do, all you need to do, is be still. Let's pray. God, life in Christ is distinct and it is different and it is dramatic and it is remarkable. And God, it is for us to get our minds around the reality, to move from what we used to think to embrace what is. And Lord, especially this morning when we find ourselves in that place of fear and of brokenness and of heartache and of difficulty and challenge and struggle. 
God, it's so easy for us to just think, oh man, I gotta do something. Whether it be run away or fight. Our God, uh, today we're confronted with your truth and your truth says, no, 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 let me take care of this. What I want for you is my child to be utterly relaxed in the knowledge that I will deal with your problem. God, I pray for people today who are dealing with problems, very real problems. And I pray, Lord, that you will allow them to know your presence and have the faith to believe that you, and not they, are the solution to their problem. I pray that they will stand firm by your grace and with your empowerment. And I pray, Lord, that they will trust so much in your presence and in your power that they will be utterly still, that they will rest in the knowledge of who you are. God, we all face Pharaoh at some time. Help us to do it as people of faith. Help us to do it as people who, no matter what may come, know that their God is with them and that he is able to do what needs done. As we pray in Jesus' name.